Welcome to Question Authority, where the best and brightest marketers teach brands about the art and science of questions. Today we're asking about offline attribution with Christina Rubino of Right Side Up. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Good to have you. Just, I'm excited. Also, I'm liking your um, your audio sounds good because you have a balloon behind you. Respect. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually in a hot air balloon right now. Amazing. <laughs> All right. So you are here today to talk about offline attribution and all that that entails. So you've done that, I assume, for several clients and in several iterations for all kinds of channels. So what's the the TLDR of how you handle that? So I've actually been in digital and offline marketing for the last 15 years. I started out digital and then went offline, which is a different path for a lot of (laughs) marketers who are like, no, I want to go back to buying TV and radio because it's 1965. (laughs) But what I realized was I was getting really disillusioned with digital display and like with a lot of the metrics surrounding it. Like I remember when viewability became a thing. And I was just like, oh, so no one's been seeing all of the things I've been buying. (laughs) That's great. No problem. And, you know, I I actually like kind of fell into podcast about five years ago. I've spent time in house. I've spent time working agency end with like fortune 100 to 500. A lot of what I do now is like high growth tech, a lot of D to C, some B to B and right side up as a whole is a growth marketing collective. I joined to start the offline practice because to your question, What I realized is that a lot of marketers think about offline as this big monolith Mm -hmm. and this, this like big tactic that they have to like really just know what to do and have a few hundred thousand dollars to spend at the outset at least and have the right assets produced. And, you know, attribution's really scary because you don't have click-based and view through attribution. Last click is not an option for you, which frankly is one of the things that attracts me the most about offline marketing because Mm. last click is a lie. (laughs) (laughs) And they didn't pay me to say that, like just on the record. (laughs) Yeah, TLDR is we use survey-based methodology. We work with everybody from DoorDash, Calm, Stitch Fix, Brooklinen, a lot of the movers and shakers and podcast land and beyond. Um, we help them with all sorts of channels and we use survey-based methodology across the vast majority of our, of our advertisers. Just the best way to understand what consumers are really doing and what consumers we should be prioritizing trying to get for customer acquisition efforts. Matt, do you agree with that? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> okay. I think a, a question too for you as we kind of, I know we're going to dive deep into surveys, but for podcasts, what are the other common attribution methodologies that you see that uh, I, I would argue don't live up to kind of the survey methodology, but using utilizing discount codes, landing pages? I know there's definitely some black box attribution tech out there in the podcasting space that I'm, I'm curious kind of from your angle, like what you think about the methodologies and kind of how they are intertwined with each other, just I guess from your, your side of the table. And I should say, so our side of the table is we actually invest. We don't, um, all of our advertisers own their budgets in-house. We're a resourcing and a like strategic solution for them. But we invested, uh, what, $50 million in podcast media in the last two years. So Mm -hmm. we've got a really good sense of what the channel can actually do. And to your point, the discount codes that you hear about like, 
use code question to get 20% off whatever the heck we're actually trying to hack here. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's, that is definitely a parody of podcasts, but we actually use that in combination with survey-based methodology to get a picture of direct and indirect response. And that is the best and fullest utilization of the tech from a podcast attribution perspective. We like to say, I prefer vanity URLs just because I like to control the landing experience. I want to welcome people. Believe it or not, when you welcome, like, welcome, Ro you know, Joe Rogan experience listeners, like, yeah. there's actually a good bump in conversion from just that little, hey, I know you. People pick up yeah. on it. And, yeah. and you're really trying to extend the relationship with a podcaster, you know, that they have with their audience. There's there's a lot of trust built in there. So when they tell you to remember something, if it's a solid offer and somebody has a reason to remember it, you're going to remember it. And there's also like a kind of a handshake thing where people understand in that medium that like advert, it is an ad supported medium, you know, for better or worse. And the ads don't suck yet. I'm try I swear I'm trying to do everything I can to make them not suck. <laughs> you know, part of the challenge is that we are starting to see to your point, technology that's like more from the digital end of the marketing spectrum try to be applied here. And it's some of it's more successful than others. Like I am excited for the advent of programmatic technologies application to this medium. It's not happening right now. And in terms of measurement and attribution, we're seeing some of the same things. So like pixel-based methodology has started to become more prominent in the channel. The challenge here is even if all quote unquote, all of the networks accept it. Many of the shows don't. When we go right. out to some of the attribution partners and say, hey, you know, this is the media plan that we're running with. How many of these shows can you actually measure? We only have anywhere between like 20 to 40% of the shows accepting mm. that oh, methodology. Wow. And part of the challenge then becomes, okay, it's, first of all, it's methodology. This is not one-to-one -one attribution. It's not possible. And even if it was, I don't know. I'm sure Apple would have a couple of thoughts about that, possibly. Um, and that is also like a great source of frustration for me. I'm like, oh, we're hurtling towards pixel-based methodology as an industry. Anyone read the patch notes for iOS 14.5? Are we just going to pretend this is not <laughs> happening? Like, this is the kind of stuff that frustrates me because I know we were, we were chatting a little bit about Princess Bride before, and I'm sure people are sick of me using this analogy. But it's like that scene where he, he goes, I think you keep using that word. And I do not think it means what you think it means. Yeah, yeah. The methodology I laid out about extrapolation of survey-based methodology, that is the only tried and true way to scale this channel for performance marketers. Mm. Everything else is, is like a newer thing that we're trying to use to understand possibly more upper funnel metrics. Yeah, there is so much stuff that seems automated, that seems programmatic that seems highly quantitative, that has little gnomes, usually known as like junior under, underpaid marketing people or whoever, like pushing buttons and moving things around, like to actually make the machine work. And that, and I've, you know, I've seen that firsthand in places I've worked and I was that 23 year old who had way too much responsibility for budget. And you're like, why did we do that to that poor girl? And yeah. now I look back and I'm like, my God, like yeah. it, but it's a real thing. And I tell people all the time, like I was at agencies for, I don't know, 11 or 12 years. And I've, I've seen it all like the stuff that to your point, the stuff that you think is like very regimented and data oriented, like data can be manipulated to tell a story. 
it is constantly. Yeah. That's what Mitch likes to, Mitch always likes to say the data doesn't lie until you start asking it questions. Dude, that is so good. And that's the manipulation that I see happen a lot. I'm a big advocate for clients and advertisers taking full control of their measurement methodology because I've never been a believer in having the company that's buying your media control your attribution and measurement flow end to end. Right. The big bad wolf is not your best friend in that story. So like, and it's not even intentional, right? Like tangent, I warned you guys that we were going to go off on tangents. Well, anytime there's a wild west, right? There's always going to be that, like, you know, even people who necessarily, I wouldn't say they mean well, but they mean innocently, innocently enough, right? Where they're like, exactly. oh, I, di- I discovered a thing and upon reflection, it probably wouldn't hold up, but I don't reflect as a general mantra. So <laughs> I feel pretty good about it. <laughs> I have no self-awareness. So <laughs> no, I, it's a beautiful thing. Oh man, dude. Sometimes my husband and I are like, what to go through life like that? It'd just be I so wish. Nice, right? I wish I we could still do lobotomies place. like they did in the dude. <laughs> so our audience, the majority of brands that we work with today don't advertise via podcast. You mentioned earlier in the conversation just around like getting started and people are like, I can't touch this. It costs X to get started. What is that? Like obviously spending, it's not like Facebook or Google where you could spend 10 cents or a dollar or $2 and get a click. But what is the, what is that number? And like, how would you go about kind of introducing a brand that's, let's say doing seven, $8 million in, in top line gross revenue, mm-hmm. um, trying to expand, like honestly, outside of Facebook, which is probably where 90% of their budget is, is yeah. allocated right now. Literally the most common thing we sell for <laughs> like, and also we happen to be a growth marketing collective that was started as a paid social and paid search collective because we all know like the quote unquote traditional growth marketing tactics that'll get you there. You can ask these channels to do what you have had Facebook and AdWords and all of these other tactics do. It's just that it's going to look different. You're not going to be able to use last click methodology. And and Facebook makes it very easy for you to dump money into advertising and get an ROI or at least what you think is an ROI. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, view through methodologies real generous when you hit most of the known universe, um, yeah. from, a, we could get into that, but, um, but no, so it's a good, great questions. And we actually help a lot of the D to C brands we work with. I'd say like probably 75% of our current roster is D to C and most of them are doing podcasts with us, at least in, in the offline side I'm talking about, particularly we've had brands start with as little as $35,000 and, and as much as like, a quarter of a million to we're about to launch a couple of campaigns that are spending like four or 500 grand a month. So it, it really ranges. Do you see podcast? Is there typically an ROI right away? Or is it something that you tip like invest in over a period of time? I know like subway advertising first couple months, you don't see anything. And then like six months, a year into it, it's like, Oh, like it's really starting to pick up. And like, we were, Mm -hmm. we were going to turn it off and we didn't because we budgeted for it. And now it's really working. Yeah. Well, and that is like, so iOS 14.5 has like shoved everybody towards media diversification, right? Yeah. That is one of the trends that we're seeing this year. I've had product market fit for a long time with our practice, but what we've actually started seeing is just people are coming to us and already saying, hey, I'm hitting diminishing returns in Facebook and my next channel is going to be podcast because it's a low production burden. In terms of like being patient, there's actually a really good blog post that we wrote called Mind the Gap. There is literally an entire chunk of the campaign where you just have to hold hands 
and know that eventually it's going to come back around because let's think about it. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, you, human being who are listening to this podcast right now, you probably are not listening to it on launch day. Maybe you downloaded it. Maybe you're streaming it. Maybe you've been saving it for like, I don't know, your next run or something like that, right? That could be two, two weeks from now because like, I don't know, I'm not exercising <laughs> right now, but Godspeed if you are. You know, it's, it's whenever that is, you're going to download and engage with that podcast and that's the first point that you're going to experience this, this interview and that's the first point that you would experience an ad if we were embedding one in this episode, right? So because of that delayed consumption and not only delayed consumption, but when are you, when are you downloading and streaming it? What, when are you consuming the actual episode? And then what if you're a brand that has a long purchase cycle? Like if you're a mattress company, I'm not going to listen to the ad and be like, you know what? I'm going to buy a new mattress online tonight. I'm just going to light my current mattress on fire and uh, <laughs> go buy a Casper. That sounds great. That's, I mean, I actually own two of them because of specifically, I'm not kidding, because of host endorsements from Howard Stern and Gary Delabate. <laughs> like my husband heard them and was like, you know, Gary loves his mattress. I'm like, yeah, I would well, buy that. I would buy I mean, you know, it's, it was a very funny thing, but now we love our Casper. So yeah. Gary seems like the kind of person who has real trouble sleeping at night, just morally, <laughs> physically, just all kinds of things. Possibly like stress wise. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, and also like that is actually just one endorsement where like Howard proves the value of endorsement. He's been doing it forever. Mm -hmm. um, but that is like, that is the special thing that many podcasters at all scale and sizes have with their audiences. So I recommend D to C brands start with podcasting also because it's an endorsement based medium. Yeah. And when you're a brand, you're not Procter and Gamble, right? Not everybody knows you the way they know Charmin. So like, how do you get over that trust and credibility hurdle with a consumer to say like, you know what? I do want to try a quick toothbrush. I do want to order from DoorDash tonight. I do want a Casper mattress. How do you get over that if like somebody is just exposed to your brand for the first time? Yeah. The answer is you're borrowing the credibility from the host. Right. And in terms of how to set up podcasts so that it is successful, I like to tell people you should always, any offline channel, period, whether it's anything from television to Sirius XM to terrestrial local radio to podcasts, you have to contextualize that test spend against the rest of your channel. So you're going to see down funnel activity from doing any kind of like broader prospecting advertising, right? That's just like a fact. Of course. So, but you're not going to feel it if you don't spend enough to have people searching for your brand on Google. Yeah. So then the question is, okay, so you're spending 600 grand a month in Facebook. Why did you think you could spend $2,000 on a podcast us? Like, why did you think this was going to be significant to even tell you then to say, oh, I can scale this channel to a meaningful part of my marketing mix. We're, I'm all about contextualizing the size of the test spend. And because we don't work on media commission, we're a retained practice we can literally just set the right spend. And so to your point about like some of the best practices, some of, it, some of it's basic and some of it's just good market research design. But the challenge is when we work D to C, a lot of the times like you're the first marketer that's hired. So like you don't have the luxury of a market research person. I used to work with brands like Advil and Robitussin who had the luxury of having all the market research people that we could ever want. I never had to design a question back then. What are you kidding me? Right. I didn't even realize that there was an actual art and a science to it. But when you don't have those people around, what are, what are the basics? It's like, okay, well, we, we should be anchoring our choices for our survey in the channels that we are using now and are intending 
to use because we want to make sure that we get a solid baseline so we can do baseline removal. Yeah. If you can't do baseline removal, then you're going to be so surprised that when you have the survey live for a month and then you start to see when you turn your podcast spend on that 1% of your conversions were already coming from podcast, like people might've heard your founder doing an interview or may have confused you with one of your competitors or something like that. There's a million reasons that yeah. people get confused when selecting yeah. choices. And then like also just like common sense stuff, like word of mouth. You mentioned word of mouth, which it's like hilariously forgotten by so many uh, DCC brands and, and marketers who are kind of just like, just think that you, you push Facebook buttons to, to do marketing. And it's like any decent marketer knows this is like arguably the most important channel and granted the most challenging, but to your point about setting that baseline pre podcast advertising or whatever channel you're diving into, yeah, like that's a great example where I've seen brands where this has happened, where if you set that baseline for word of mouth, then you start running podcast ads you see word of mouth jump up because it's like, well, word of mouth. It's like, to your point about, about the testimonial, right? It's like, well, word of mouth in, in the, in the front of my mind. And I guess in the back of my mind, if you ever like really drilled in the word of mouth is Gary Delabate. So it's like, it's not my friend, Gary. It's like right. the podcast I listen to that has Gary on it, but I feel like it's word of mouth. So yeah. understanding that Delta is, is kind of crucial, right? If you're going to spend 20, 30 or 300 grand on, on podcasts and see like, oh, there was like a, 20% jump in word of mouth post, you know, podcast spending. It's like, that makes sense. I also try to ask advertisers. I'm like, why? Like, this is how most of the brands and specifically podcast advertising, we're getting meta and talking about podcast advertising in a podcast today, but specifically when it comes to that, it's like, this is how everybody from ZipRecruiter to MeUndies to DoorDash to Calm has scaled this channel in the past. Yeah. So like, yeah. why are you trying to get fancy and why are you trying to do it differently? Like, yeah. yes, when you, the 201, 301 version, when you're spending five, six, $700,000 in the channel every month and you can take those big bets and make those big swings and overall the channel is profitable for you. And you know that to your bones then you can get fancy. Then we can look at upper funnel metrics. Then you can layer on pixel-based attribution and see if it actually is worth the pixel implementation itself. Um, that's, but for the rest of it, like go back to basics because if you've been able to scale paid social, you should be able to scale at least a couple of offline channels. Yeah. If you know you have product market fit, and you've been able to establish like your basic growth metrics and you know your LTV and AOV and um, all of the other acronyms that we love to use. If you know all of that stuff, you'll be fine. You just need to work with people, whether it's hiring someone, whether it's a consultant, whether it is engaging an agency, whatever it is, you just need to work with people who've done it before and then work with them to adapt how they do it to your business. Don't try to go it alone. And also please, if you take nothing else away from this, please don't buy one episode of a podcast uh, and think that that is going to be indicative of how the channel performs because I like to say, so quick and dirty, somewhere between 50 to 150, $50,000 to $150,000 uh, for a seven to 10 week period is what I usually recommend for 85, 90% of the brands we work with to test mm -hmm. the channel. There's outliers in either direction. We've started some brands as low as 30K because they had 
baby marketing budgets and it was an appropriate spend, then you can get a really good podcast test going for that. Um, but make sure you're testing multiple episodes per show, no fewer than two, ideally three, and sometimes four, just depending on, you know, the complexity of your message on the show itself. There's so many different factors to your question earlier, Matt, about selection criteria. So many different things go into how we flight media. Um, and the last part is make sure you give yourself a few weeks in between integrations because of that delayed consumption that we talked about earlier you tend to see that media reach and frequency in this channel accumulate over time. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the last part of it. Like reach and frequency cum is not a metric I thought I'd ever talk to growth marketers about. <laughs> but guess what? That's what it is. It's just reach and frequency of media exposure. Yeah. So we can, you know, get fancy and call it whatever we want as growth marketers. But at the end of the day, it's really just about measuring consumer response to media exposure. Yeah. And, and to conclude, I think you made that great point just a couple of minutes ago about like, take the win, girl, take the win from all the Facebook ads that you did and everything's like, oh, we found product market fit. We have, you know, we have our numbers on AOV and LTV and all this other good stuff. Like, great. That's the kind of foundation that will make you super successful in offline media or anything, anything of that nature, right? It's like the stuff that is maybe harder to ramp up from zero when you don't know those things. Like you got the benefit of using something like Facebook. There's a, a bunch of ways to get started in these channels. I like to say if people are interested in reaching out to me and talking to me about working together, I'm always down to have that conversation. We've also published a lot of growth marketing guides and content on how to do these channels. So if you head to rightsiteup.com and you go to our blog, you'll see a bunch of stuff that I've done in the past, like podcast webinars, both that my and my team have done. And otherwise, like, I love to be stumped. If you're navigating these channels and you're like, damn, like, I don't even know how to make heads or tails of this data. That's what we do for a living. Mm. Well, thanks so much. This is very insightful, as, as we all knew it would be, and very, very entertaining. Some of which is not going to make the, make the cut for the actual episode, but... It... I prefer that. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs>